The following contains content that is intended for mature audiences only. Listener discretion is advised. The Devil and Mrs. Tremblay Written by Craig Moody Narrated by Jessica Caruso Twelve I slipped into the house easily. The floor hatch didn't make a sound as I lifted it and crawled into the closet of the downstairs bedroom. The carvings were everywhere. Nearly every inch of the visible cellar was full of them. They ranged in size, but were always the same symbol. They were even on the bottom side of the floor hatch. As I crawled into the room from the closet, my eyes spotted something peculiar under the bed. The symbol. It was laid out with sticks directly under the center of the mattress. My heart skipped a beat. Sound became an echoed chamber as I tiptoed into the hallway. I followed the wall until I made it to the kitchen. Everything was dark. Dusk had set in. The kitchen glowed in a deep purple hue. I was able to recognize the space well enough to move quietly through it without bumping into anything or making any noise whatsoever. Carefully, I rounded the corner and moved into the entryway. Edgar had not only locked and bolted the door, but he had also moved several pieces of heavy furniture against it. Through the darkness, I spotted the bassinet. It was empty. Silence. The entire house was deathly still and ear-numbingly quiet. There was only one place left he could be. I held my breath as I tiptoed up the staircase, praying silently that the aged wood would not creak and give away my movement. Step by step, as lightly and carefully as possible, I ascended to the second floor and crept before the closed bedroom door. To my surprise, it was open just a bit. I peered inside, waiting for my eyes to focus on the darkness within. I could see Edgar sitting on the bed. In his hands was the boy propped against him in a seated position, staring forward. Before both of them was Bella, her tiny body sprawled over the mattress in the shape of an X. I had to stop myself from gasping. In the stillness, I watched as the infant boy's eyes glowed red. Once again, the warmth of fire could be felt feet away. The red would burn brightly, causing Bella to twitch and tremble before fading to a dull glow. This happened over and over. Finally, I had enough. Leave her alone, I shouted as I burst into the room. Immediately, the baby boy snapped his head in my direction, his eyes glowing red. I felt the breath suck out of my lungs and my heart flutter. I dropped to my knees as a painful tightness gripped my chest. I felt as though someone had reached beyond my breastbone and was squeezing my heart. I looked up. The boy was staring down at me, his eyes still a fiery red that lit the room in a blood-like crimson. Edgar's eyes remained straight ahead. It was like he wasn't even there. His face was blank, his expression nearly lifeless. 
through the pain, I forced myself to move. The tightness in my chest became more intense and rock-like. I felt my upper body trying to succumb to the weight of the pain and fall to the floor, but I resisted with every ounce of willpower. I resisted. My injured arm ached, my lungs quaked and quivered, and my heart felt like it was barely beaten at all, but I forged on. I made it to the edge of the bed, pulled myself up the quilt, and slid Bella toward me. The moment she was pressed against my chest, everything stopped. The red glow was gone. I was able to breathe. Sucking in a large mouthful of air, my heart pounded and raced. I was too afraid to look into the shadows. I didn't want to see the baby boy. Instead, I lifted from my knees. Bella pressed tightly against my chest and shuffled into the hallway. I made it down the stairs into the fortified front door. I laid Bella in the bassinet so I could move the furniture that blocked our escape. With the area clear of debris and heavy wooden barricades, I focused on unlatching the locks. There were several. In my entire 15-plus years in this house, I could never remember even seeing these locks, much less fumbling with them. Finally, the door pulled open and the damp air of the springtime evening grazed over my body. I turned to fetch Bella. Edgar! I whispered, seeing him hold the lifeless infant in his arms. He was looking right at me, his eyes as black as coal. Put it down, Edgar. I pleaded, my voice quickening with both fear and anger. Let me take her to Dr. Johnson, please. He didn't reply. He only stared. I could see myself in the reflection of his glass-like gaze. Edgar! He moved forward, silent, and began ascending the stairs. Panicked, I charged after him, darting past him and attempting to pull the baby from his arms. I heard a growl-like grumble thunder from upstairs. The room glowed red and the wind was knocked out of me. Still, I resisted, managing to free Bella from Edgar's grasp and stumbled down the stairs. I kicked open the front screen door and dashed over the front porch. Back in the still wet mud, I raced for the road. I had no other choice but to run. No truck, no tractor, just me. Despite my initial resistance, I looked back over my shoulder at the house. Every single window was a brilliant red. The red was so intense, so bright that it even poured through the open spaces between the wooden side panels of the house, through the chimney, and out the visible cellar vents. My feet kept moving forward, but my face could not look away from what I saw. The glow felt like ten thousand infernos, as if hell itself had consumed our home. I forced myself to look forward. The red was so intense it easily illuminated the path before me. The red stretched for as far as the eye could see. I could clearly make out the main road and fields beyond it. The heat behind me intensified. It felt like the entire world was on fire. By some miracle of God, a car was passing just as I neared the edge of the long, winding driveway. The driver smashed the brakes just as I ran in front of the vehicle, blinded by the white headlights. What's going on here? A voice shouted from the driver's side window. What's burning? 
Please, Holland, moving toward the voice, please take me to Dr. Johnson. This baby is unconscious. The driver popped open the car door and stepped onto the dirt roadway. Edith Tremblay? I heard the voice say. It was Jackson Medley, a boy I had known since his birth. He and his family attended Brother Tom's church. Yes, Jackson, I spoke breathlessly. Please help us. Certainly, Mrs. Tremblay, he replied, moving to assist me into the back seat of his large vehicle. Jackson asked a thousand questions about what appeared to be a burning house as he accelerated down the country road toward town. I answered what I could, but mostly kept quiet. My sole focus was on Bella. I just needed to get her to Dr. Johnson. I needed to save her life. Dr. Johnson lived in the center of Boys City. He and his family occupied the second floor above his ground-level office. Jackson Medley almost hit a fire hydrant as he screeched the speeding car in front of the doctor's office. I'll go and get him. Jackson promised as he hopped out of the car and ran for the darkened doorway. The entire street was empty and quiet. Boy City went to sleep at sundown. Within a moment or two, Jackson returned to the car, a casually dressed Dr. Johnson trailing just behind him. Give me he commanded, reaching into the back seat and pulling Bella from my arms. Without hesitation, he darted back inside his office. Jackson helped me from the vehicle as the downstairs windows of Dr. Johnson's office flickered to life, illuminating the sidewalk before us. What happened, Edith? The doctor asked as Jackson and I entered the reception area of his quaint office. She had a terrible fever. I started clearing my throat in an attempt to clear my thoughts. I've been trying to get her to you, but... I stopped myself, causing the doctor to look up at me. But what? He asked, returning his eyes to the infant. Where's Edgar? My mind scrambled for an answer. There was no way I could mention all that had just occurred. The talk of the devil... Occult symbols and glowing red eyes would certainly cause Dr. Johnson to have me committed immediately. I was already on the verge of that with him as it was. Jesus, Edith, Dr. Johnson snapped. You're bleeding. My arm. I had forgotten all about it. He raced to my side and lifted my sleeve. You've been shot. His voice was now high and panicked. I saw Jackson Medley's face go pale. Jackson, go get Grace. She's upstairs in the kitchen. Tell her to bring my surgical kit. Jackson just stared, frozen in what appeared to be shock and horror. Now, Jackson, damn it. The young man shook his head and nodded and raced out of the room. Now, I ain't gonna ask how this happened, but I would imagine it had something to do with the way you've been feeling lately. Am I right? Um... I didn't know what to say. How could I possibly get through to a medical professional who had already deemed me manic and nearly insane? He had already gone so far as arranging a stay for me at the state hospital. My admittance to the mental ward was just one mere telephone call away. There was an accident. I finally managed to squeak. 
Dr. Johnson just eyed me curiously as he worked to tend my wound. Oh, heavens, I heard Grace Johnson exclaim as she entered the room. Dr. Johnson snatched his medical bag from her hand. Grace, run some hot water and bring it down here right away. Jackson, keep pressure on her arm while I tend to the baby. I could hear the dread in his voice. The baby is priority now. Tears streamed down my face as I watched the doctor work in vain to pull life out of Bella's tiny, unresponsive body. Everything became an echo drone after he told me she could not be saved, that her brain had already been too depleted of oxygen. Even though she still had a faint heartbeat, she would now only be a shell of a human being if she lived. She will go peacefully in the night, I heard the doctor say just before he turned his attention to work on me. He didn't do much to numb the pain as he fished the bullet from my flesh. (laughs) I didn't care. I could only stare at the fragile body of the tiny soul I had birthed into the world. The feeling of loss was indescribable. Even though I had only known her for a very short span of time, I felt a piece of me break off and join her in her cold silence. I awoke the next day sore and alone. I was in the Johnson's guest bedroom. The decor was bright and lovely. Everything appeared handmade and carefully matched and designed. I spent several minutes just allowing my eyes to venture the complexity of the quilted and lace motif of the room. Finally, my mind eased me back into reality. I made my way to the kitchen. There, Dr. Johnson and Grace were having breakfast. The smell of eggs and bacon filled the air. Good morning, Edith. Grace smiled when she saw me. She rose from her chair to assist my movement. Here, darling, sit down here and I'll fetch you some breakfast. Dr. Johnson smiled. How'd you sleep, hon? He asked, peering at me over his spectacles. Fine. I croaked, my throat parched and dry. I listened as Dr. Johnson detailed the plan that would commence after breakfast. I ate my lot in silence, enjoying the warmth of the black coffee as it slid down my throat. It had been nearly a year since I had tasted coffee. Our percolator still lay at the bottom of the abandoned well at the edge of our property. Brother Tom is on his way now. Together we're going to take you home. I tried calling Edgar last night and this morning, but the call doesn't go through. Is something the matter with your telephone? I nodded, too afraid to speak. I could sense that Dr. Johnson was carefully observing my every move, watchful of any further signs of madness or mania. I feared he would have me committed before I could return home, although the idea of remaining safe within the secure confines of a hospital did sound more appealing than what I had just run away from. Your arm will be fine. I'm going to redress the bandages before we go. I felt the doctor moving his eyes over my face. Brother Tom is going to ask you about funeral arrangements for the baby. 
he eventually continued, lowering his voice to a more sympathetic tone. Have you had any thoughts about the type of service you'd like to have? I felt my eyes well with tears. I suppose Dr. Johnson saw them, for he moved his hand over the table and onto my forearm. Never mind, Edith, he said gently. Let's just get you back home. We all prayed together once Brother Tom arrived. He hugged and kissed my cheek, offering his apology and condolences through a tearful smile. Grace Johnson squeezed me tightly as we ventured to the street side to load into Dr. Johnson's glistening Cadillac. I'll be praying for ya, she whispered, kissing my cheek. God be with you and Edgar. I nodded and smiled before turning to join the two men in the waiting vehicle. Brother Tom filled the air with his voice the entire car ride to the farm. My stomach was tied in knots the closer we got. Everything appeared normal as we turned off the main dirt road and onto the muddy path that would take us to the farmhouse. There was no red glow and no evidence of the evil that had overtaken this place just the night before. The two men exited the car. Brother Tom opened my door and waited for me to climb out. What's the matter, Edith? He finally asked when I failed to move. Just then, Edgar appeared on the front porch. The infant boy perched in his arms. My heart began to race just at the sight of them. Morning, gentlemen, Edgar chirped. I see you brought the missus back to me. The three men began chatting politely. Both Edgar and the baby appeared normal. Their eyes were clear and bright, no sign of the deathly mute blackness that stared from within them the night before. Eventually, I slid out of the car and joined Dr. Johnson and Brother Tom at the bottom of the front porch steps. Edgar and the baby peered down at me. Hey, Edith. Edgar smiled. How you feeling? I didn't say a word. I only glared. The baby's locked stare made me uneasy. Um, Edgar, Brother Tom said, clearing his throat of nerves. We have some distressing news about your daughter. I listened quietly as Brother Tom informed my husband of the death of our only daughter. Edgar cried and reacted as I would have expected. He was Edgar again, not the voiceless monster that crept around in the house last night. In his arms, the baby only watched, moving its eyes over each adult carefully and steadily. I hesitated before moving into the house to follow them. Edgar placed the boy in the bassinet before leading the two men into the kitchen. Quiet and dutiful, I followed, offering everyone slices of cheese and saltine crackers. I listened but did not contribute as Brother Tom and Edgar spoke of Bella's funeral. I just want to get her back here, Edgar stated. We will hold a private service here. We'll bury her on the property. I don't want her in the churchyard. Everyone was silent at this request. The room suddenly became uneasy. Well, that is your choice, Edgar, and I respect it. 
Brother Tom said softly, a bit of reluctance in his tone. The two men embraced both Edgar and me before leaving. It was clear they were deeply sorry for our loss, and I certainly appreciated their warmth and concern. I stayed quiet as Edgar and I, side by side, waved as the two men accelerated down the still damp pathway toward the main road. The moment they were out of sight, my stomach sank. Never leave here like that again, Edgar commanded in a semi-growl. I kept my eyes down, too afraid to look at him. He spun around and headed back inside the house. I followed. Edgar, I whispered, my voice burdened with fear and uncertainty. What is happening here? What is happening to us? Edgar didn't answer. He moved to the bassinet and lifted the boy into his arms. The boy peered at me coldly, but Edgar ignored me. Edgar! I shouted, my fear suddenly overtaken by rage. Just stay quiet, Edith, he finally mumbled. It'll all just be easier if you don't fight it. Just stay quiet. Fight what? I asked, scrambling to his side. What are you talking about? What is happening? He's coming, Edgar spat, his face sullen and uneasy. He's given what I asked of him, and now he's coming to take what is owed to him. I shook my head. I don't understand, Edgar. Who is coming? What are you talking about? The devil, Edith. He fired, his face suddenly dark and heavy. You've seen him yourself many times. He's done his part, and now he's coming to claim what was promised. A sense of dread I had never known before filled my entire body. What are you saying, Edgar? You, Edith, Edgar confirmed. He and the boy's eyes locked on mine. He's coming for you. Hi, I'm Craig Moody, and I want to thank you for listening to Craig Moody's Novel Bites. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please like, follow, and subscribe to this podcast to be notified when the latest episodes are released. Print and digital editions of my previous titles are available through all major retailers. For more information or for links to my social media, please visit craig-moody.com. Until next time.